and we're back again. We had technical difficulties the first time, but hey, we don't have anything else to do on a Friday night, so we're back again. Riding the pine. We didn't have a podcast last week because, well, nothing really interesting happened. I mean, you know, we had some week one, I mean, just awful games, really. But week two is upon us, which I think may be the best week of the young year, at least for the first few weeks. Tonight, we'll go over a little bit of week one, our team of the week, our disappointing team of the week. Spoiler alert for me, it's LSU. Uh, surprise team of the week. And then we'll get into our games of the week this week, our picks this week, and then our Heisman Watch top 10 after week one. Because, hey, that's what everybody does. They make a absolute, absolutely stupid Heisman list after 60 minutes. But <laughs> to start, um, we all saw it. Saturday afternoon, right down the road from me here in Fort Worth. We've heard it now for the better part of, you know, six, seven, eight months. We coming, we coming, we coming, bringing my own luggage. He names his son the starting quarterback, and they have a 20-and-a-half-point dog. No one, including me, thought they could do this. I thought they'd win three or four games this year. And I'm, again, still not sure how good they are. But they're a lot better than what we thought. Al, what we saw Saturday in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I mean, what do you make of that? I mean, <laughs> you got some big time players, you know, in the skill position that can really, really go play. I mean, Shador Sanders had a bunch of high major offers. Travis Hunter was at one time the number one player in the country in his class. So I think. Colorado, they have some players on the, you know, in the skill positions that can really, really run and catch. Uh, Shador can really throw it. So, I mean, you had guys making plays that, you know, had not played at a high level yet, but still had that skill set. And I think we saw that come to uh, fruition last Saturday in Fort Worth. Well, and then you have your best player play 129 snaps. So that's something I've never seen before. I've never yeah. seen a two-way player like that, you know, in the 25 years I've been watching college football. So that was something that was pretty interesting to see, you know. The last one I can really remember is Miles Jack at UCLA. Yeah, Miles playing running back and some middle linebacker, right? I think he won Pac-12 freshman offense and defensive player of the player of the year. Um pretty impressive. But uh I I, about him. I think I think Travis Hunter's gunning for a little something bigger. Um, I I mean, I, I've never in my life at least seen a player at that age make the play he made to intercept the ball on the goal line. He's going completely the other way. He stops on a dime and then jumps out to make that. I mean, that's a touchdown. It's in a 99% of defenders at any level of football. That is an elite, elite play. And you mentioned Shador Sanders. Um, I didn't know how I didn't know how it would how it would translate. And I will give a lot of credit to what I saw of that offense. Sean Lewis comes over from Kent State, the head coach, comes to be the offense coordinator. Uh, one thing I noticed early in the ballgame, what they were doing was they were getting the ball out of Shador's hands fast. It was one here, one, two there. It was not, I'm going to have to sit here and think and work through three and four reads. It was, we're going to go tempo, 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 and we're going to go short first, and we're going to hit you with a deep one somewhere in there. 
right. tell you the player that impressed me most all was Dylan Edwards, the running back. I mean, that cat got an open field, and it, it's over. You could go ahead and start the band of it. And I didn't realize he was a freshman. Well, in true Dion fashion, he's a true dog, as he calls him. Uh, yeah, you see but, this? Uh, he doesn't have captains. He has D and L on his jerseys for dogs and leaders. Dogs and leaders. I like that. Which may be um, the greatest thing ever. I think but, one thing people were not respecting. Look, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm on kind of the Dion train, and I've kind of been on the Dion train since he got hired. Just wanting him to be successful. Um, but I, I think one thing that people kind of looked past was that he did have three years college coaching experience. I know it wasn't at the highest level, but he had, he had been in a college program doing, leading a program for three years. And I think, you know, those three years have really kind of given him the opportunity to come into a Colorado situation and it's the same thing. You know, I, I always kind of say basketball is basketball at any level. I mean, the objective's the same, whether you're coaching middle school or college. Dion's done it at every, at every level. The goal still stays the same. It's just a matter of getting the players and put them in, putting them in positions to be successful. And he's found at least some good assistants and some good players to do that. On the offensive end, defense well, is going to be, I think, a struggle – just depth-wise going forward, you know? Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I listened to Joel Klatt earlier this week, and he was talking about, you know, he's a Colorado alum. He he gets in, you know, he knows this program backwards and forwards. And, you know, that was the one thing he mentioned, and I mentioned it to a lot of friends Saturday about just, you know, what happens if even one of their guys goes down? I mean, they're really in a lot of trouble if they do, but, I mean, Look, you know, you talk about a staff this guy's built. I mean, Charles Kelly's his defense coordinator. Charles Kelly's been the D.C. at Florida State. He was with Saban at Alabama. You know, he has been in those situations. Sean Lewis, offense coordinator, he was a head coach last year at Kent State. Yeah. You bring in a guy like a Tim Brewster. Tim Brewster is a recruiting ace. He's been a head coach. He's been on staff with Dan Mullen, with Jimbo Fisher, you know, with any with Nick Saban. You, anywhere big this guy's been – so, you know, a guy like Sal Sunseri. Sal Sunseri's been on staff with Saban. I, I think, yeah. you know, Pat Shermer's a quality control. Pat Shermer, you know, that's a guy who's been a head coach. I think what you see with – In the NFL. Know, yeah, I think what you see with Dion is he's building a staff a lot like a Nick Saban. He's getting, a, he's getting guys that are smarter than him around the program, around these guys – and I think that's going to be something looking looking forward. You know, you, you look at the long – and, I, again, I'm not comparing Dion to Nick Saban in any way, shape, form. But I think it's going to be interesting to see it as this program rolls along, you know, what happens when a guy like Sean Lewis gets a head coaching job somewhere? Because that's going to happen. What happens, like, when a guy like a Charles Kelly gets a chance to go – and Charles Kelly may not go lead a program because I think he's kind of – he's kind of where he's happy as deepest corner, but – you know, I think that's an interesting point. I think what you said with depth is an interesting point. You know, they brought in 80-something new players, but, I mean, really and truly, if you get past – what happens if Shador goes down? What happens if Travis Hunter goes down? You know, your season looks completely different without those two guys. But, I mean, right now, I, I you know, I think the sky's the limit for them. And, you know, let's – 
I, I do think they're going to win tomorrow. Um, I do. I think they'll be three and zero rolling into the Oregon game. I think that's where we're going to see what happens because I think you got a defensive ace like Dan Lanning who is going to draw something up. This is crazy. I'm looking at ESPN right now, Rob. Uh, on the matchup predictor, they have Nebraska as a 58.8% chance to win the game. Well, and look, Matt Rule is a defense. He's a defense first guy. And Matt yeah. Rule. Colorado, and Colorado's a three point favorite. So it's good. That's, that's going to be an interesting game. Well, and so, I mean, that tells you that it's basically even because you get three points at home is generally what you look at. Um, yeah. And, you know, you look at a line like that and just think Vegas knows something because they right. don't make a lot. They're enticing everybody to bet on Colorado, just hammer Colorado. Um, yeah. And if Jeff Sims, I hate, you know, that was a tough play against Minnesota. If he didn't throw that pick under two minutes, they yeah, win they, that they game. Win um, but, again, I, it's going to be a good game tomorrow. I do have Colorado winning. I think they win by a touchdown. But – I think Matt Rule is going to have something up his sleeve to kind of not just let Shador Sanders run wild for 515 yards. You know what, Rob? I hate Fox keeps putting Colorado on at 11 a.m. every morning. I just love waking up and knowing that the first game I get to watch is some Deion Sanders and this Colorado. Yeah, you you get to watch what it is probably – I guarantee you Fox will outdraw ESP. And, hey, maybe that's the ploy. Let's put Dion on every week. We're going to outdraw ESPN because, look, let me tell you this. There will be 11 a.m. every week. <laughs> if USC and Colorado are both undefeated going into that game, that could very well be the biggest college football game we have seen in a long time. And ESPN and Vox are going to be fighting over it. It's going to be interesting. And I know we haven't even talked about um, conference realignment. That's probably for another day. Um, that's that's uh, a whole but, life. But, but but conference realignment goes hand in hand with these uh, TV deals, you know. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be I real. Mean, how much more valuable is the Big Twelve right now with Colorado coming into it next year? Uh, that's right. And the Big so, Twelve, the Big Twelve, and the Big Ten have those Fox connections, and obviously yeah. the Big Ten is going to have CBS next year. Yeah. Um, so. I guess the SEC is going strictly ESPN. They will. I, you know, I think we're going to see that, you know, so now that 230 game will be the ABC 230 game instead of the CBS 230 game. Okay. That makes, that makes more sense to me. So that, so the big game of the week for the SEC is going to be an ABC game now instead of the CBS game. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be Herb Street and Fowler calling, I guess they'll now – they used to call the night game. I guess they'll move them yeah. to that 230 slot. Okay. Um, but we'll segue that into our team – my team of the week. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's the team we just mentioned. It's Colorado. I, okay. I don't That's think, mine too. I don't think – and I figured it would be – I was – so it's funny, leading into our um, podcast tonight, my number two team was Duke, but – you know, I was kind of going back and forth. Do I choose Duke? Do I choose Colorado? But I think I think it's a no-brainer. I think we're both – you got to choose Colorado. Just with just with the voices and the noise they heard all year that they were going to go into Fort Worth and get blown out by 30. Travis Hunter's no good. Uh, Shador's only playing because his dad's the head coach. They had to hear that all since when? Last February? 
last January. Last I mean, January. When Dion steps up at the podium and says, hey, everybody, that's your starting quarterback. It's like, we're not even having a competition? I mean, yeah. <laughs> a little presumptuous there, Dion. But, but, but then you're right. Shador, man, kudos to him because he's – he was very humble about it before the game and very humble about it after the game. And just to go out there and si- just silently throw for 5-10 and four touchdowns was – that was incredible. Yeah. That was a little bit of some RG3. Come, remember when RG3, we talked about him winning the Heisman 2011, just came out of nowhere. And, like, first two games he had, like, over a 1,000 yards passing. Yeah, well – It reminded me – his performance kind of reminded me of, of that, you know, just – Kind of that, who is this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, I'm not I saying Shador's winning. I'm not saying Shador's RG3. I'm not saying he's won the Heisman. I'm just saying when when RG3 won the Heisman, he snuck up on you. Shador throwing for 5'10 snuck up on a lot of people, you know? I, I, I likened it to Lamar Jackson, that game against Florida State to, or all those years ago now. Yeah. That game was kind of his coming out party where everybody's, oh, my gosh, this kid can play, not just against worse competition. I feel like that was kind of the game. Um, so, And I know. will say this. I know we have other things to talk about. We're kind of sticking on Colorado, but they are, you know, they're a fun team to talk about right now. But I think it's interesting, a loss to TCU – could lead into a, I think a loss, I think a, a loss to Nebraska, which obviously they could still lose tomorrow. But I think a win tomorrow, it's a or win. Sorry, a win against TCU really gives them a, the mindset to go win. Obviously uh, against Nebraska, I'm just saying a uh, winning TCU could put them in a three and O position. As to losing the TCU, could have had them in like one and two. You know, just yeah. mindset wise. So. It's amazing what that win can do for them and their bowl chances, you know? Well, and, you know, Boulder was already going to be insane Saturday morning. But, I mean, you add this into it, it is going to be the place to be. I mean, big noon kickoffs there. Again, they're covering Dion. So, I, I just I, – they're the team of the week. Um, we going to Boulder this year, Rob? I, you do not have to tell me twice. If somebody said give us – they'll give us field passes – to USC, uh, Colorado, in L.A., we'll spend the entire week in Boulder just following Dion. <laughs> Let's just make sure if we go to Colorado, we go now and not in November. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's going to be quite cold. <laughs> so, I said it earlier. That could be their own home field advantage, though, you know, going forward. If they got used to that. It might. It's like going to Buffalo to play the Bills in uh, December. Yeah, I don't know how Dion's gonna like that cold weather though. January. Yeah, I don't know how Dion likes Boulder in in November. <laughs> but um, I, I said earlier, my disappointing team of the week, and it's yeah, it's LSU. I mean, uh, to look the way they did Sunday night, I I don't really know what to say. They didn't look. They didn't look like they knew what they were doing on offense in the second half. It's like the first half, they didn't look great, but they moved it. And then, you know, you hear all this hype about Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels, Heisman, Heisman, and then you watch it, and it's the same Jaden Daniels that we saw last year. It's like he struggles to find receivers. He doesn't pinpoint the ball well. And then when he throws a couple of good passes to Mason Taylor and everything's forgiven. 
I think did you real quick about uh Jaden Daniels? Did you see what they did to his locker room at Arizona State when he transferred? Oh yeah. They like raided his locker. Um, that's a whole nother subject. I just thought that was crazy. But I just could not believe the second half. I thought LSU was the team with the depth to wear out teams, you know what I mean, over a team like Florida State. Little did I know that Florida State has, what, three stud wide receivers? Like um, Keon. uh, Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman. That dude, I went and watched some of his basketball highlights. That dude was a dog. I mean, back to Deion's word, a dog. I mean, playing for Tom Izzo on the basketball team, playing um, for Mel Tucker on the football, yeah, Mel Tucker on the football team. Um, I, I think he's a, I think he's a sneaky good wideout because you could tell. I don't think there's anything <laughs> sneaky about it anymore. I think he's a yeah. good wideout. Yeah, like he's. Did you see him? I, did you? I noticed. Um, and they they were showing it on a lot of videos. You know, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. You could probably look this up um TikTok wherever whatever your social media is but um Coleman did you see him in that one play where he was pointing to the corner that was on him oh yeah and whoever whoever uh Mike Norvell I need to look up let's let's look up who is their uh, uh OC um uh the guy that was at Memphis no not yeah. Memphis was Kevin Johns with him um, OC Florida State. I need to look that up. I should have had that name down. Um, uh, Alex, I think it's, it's Alex, Alex Atkins. Atkins. Yeah, yeah Alex okay. Atkins. But I'm saying to have just to have the ability to see him and trust their play. You know, sometimes coaches, you know, they don't. They kind of have their they have their predetermined thoughts, but to to know that he felt comfortable with that matchup, they went right to him. And led to a touchdown. A ridiculous catch in the corner of the end zone. That was his first one. And uh and you know, you look at a guy like Norvell, you know, he was known as a real big players coach when he's at Memphis, obviously now comes to Florida State. And you know, it's been said over and over, oh, we couldn't do it, oh, we couldn't do it. They all wanted Dion. And the funny thing is, on a weekend that Dion did his did his thing. I think if you ask FSU fans right now, would they trade coaches? I don't think they would. Yeah. Um, Norvell has them trending in the right direction. And I know we got I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns and say that uh Clemson, um, uh, because they're gonna be my actually disappointing team. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh I guess I'm I gotta stick to my guns and uh say that they're still the favorite to win the ACC. That's who I picked. But Right now, Florida State looks like they could beat Clemson by three or four touchdowns. Well, and I'll finish out on mine. We got off. We got on to Florida State. Um, I get on my um, disappointment in LSU. Where's Harold Perkins? Harold Perkins was the SEC freshman of the year. He almost won like SEC defensive player. He was getting like Heisman talk late in the season. He's nowhere to be found in the second half of a football game that you're losing, that they are killing you and you can't get a rush on the court. Harold Perkins is nowhere he is in the field. I'm like, what, what is Brian Kelly doing? All I got to say is 31-7 in the second half. That's just – And seven well, was a garbage time. But, yeah, that's just – Florida State looked head above heels better than LSU, like – 
Like it looks like if they played each other ten times, Florida State would beat them ten times. Oh, it, it's no doubt. I mean, it, it was like the first half was a scrimmage for Florida State, and they were just almost like a cat toying with a mouse. I mean, and it was like, okay, it's time to play now. Let's go. And I mean, it was just like Keon Coleman left, Keon Coleman right, Jordan Travis fade. You know, it was just like it, they're gaping. Now, Jordan Travis. I like him as a quarterback, but he did not play a good first quarter or first half. He, had he played a, he had a terrible that. second quarter. Yeah, second quarter. He threw the pick. He threw one up for grabs. Should have had another one picked. But uh, second half, it's like a totally different player, you know. But uh, I think back to Norvell, I think he's a very underrated play caller. And I think he's a very underrated coach. Um, so I'm rooting for him. And I think I think he's got Florida State rolling in the right direction. And uh, he was in a position where he had – he he's known – even before transfer portal, he's been kind of owning the transfer game in a while. He had success at Memphis with a transfer quarterback. He had a really good transfer wide receiver. So he's understood, the, you know, the roles that transfers can play in a program. And he's – you know, it's, it's not new to him to go get quality transfers that can make impact, you know, uh, year one. Well, and that's just something like you, it's just amazing to see a guy like that. But we'll let you get on to your uh, most disappointing team of the weekend now. I'm gonna pick the uh, Clemson Tigers. Have yeah, you that video uh, of Dabo going hickory dickory dock. Oh yeah, when he got on TikTok, the clock. Dabo or okay, Dabo's got that drip, and he shows his Clemson gloves. Yeah, that was bad. That that was from like I think that was from a year or two ago. But it just gets it gets brought up again every time Clemson loses. And I little I did he so know little little did he know on September fourth that they would get beat twenty eight to seven to Duke, and that video is going to go viral for him again. I mean, Dabo, I I don't I just don't stand like. They got talent. I saw I saw where they had like five four and five stars on their team. They had like 56 compared to Duke's like four. Is that right? Yeah, no, you're right. Like, like the thing I don't understand, like they moved the ball. It wasn't like they could they couldn't move it. They just they turned it over like twice inside the 10-yard line. Yeah, and Duke Duke gave them a gift on a uh fumble on a punt I think uh if I'm trying yeah, to remember but right but yeah they're my disappointing team um I I mean to go week one I mean that was a trap game I will say you called it called it with uh with Duke you were right on the money with how good you know you knew their coach was and how underrated and underappreciated they were you called that you know a couple weeks ago but I guess I I I don't really know where to begin with Clemson. Uh, you know, I just – I don't see – I don't really see a lot of impact-type players on their roster. They're kind of the big name – I'm saying the big name impact players. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what their season turns into. I think they got I mean, Charleston Southern this week. Hopefully they can – go through. Let's go through Clemson's second-half drives. Block 23-yard field goal. Yep. Fumble at the Duke 7. Fumble at the Duke 10. Turner over on downs. 
interception. Yeah, and that interception was not Klubnik's fault. It no, and then the players' hands. Uh, turnover on downs at the Duke thirty-nine. Yeah, like well, you're in Duke territory. Five of your six possessions, you come away with zero points. Yeah. How? Yeah, I don't know. They just. It looks like you know. I. It's amazing. Sorry, I don't even know where to start with this because it's amazing. You heard some of the TCU guys. I know that we're even going back. We're talking about TCU uh, Colorado, but you heard some of the TCU players saying like, we weren't ready. They wanted it more. It's like you had, and then I think I even kind of felt Clemson was kind of the same way. It's like, you know, they just wanted it more than we do. It's like, it's your first game. How do you not want, how do, how do you let a team how do you let a team just outplay you like that and want it more? I just don't understand the mindset. Like on TCU's sake, you just out 65 to 7 the national championship. Hopefully that's your motivation. For Clemson's sake, you didn't make the playoff that you expect to be every single year. Like I think both, I think even LSU, I think a lot of these teams came in thinking they were gonna dominate. Well, and back to LSU, you know, you hear Brian Kelly in the post game. He said, you know, I, I don't know what we – we thought we were Georgia rolling in here. And it's like, but how? Georgia beat you by 30 in the SEC championship. How did you think you were Georgia? Yeah. But but I, I believe- the, the TCU thing, it's like they sit there and say, oh, we were embarrassed. Were you not embarrassed enough to give me 65 to 7 in the national championship? That's, like, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And even for Brian Kelly – He's just there, even with a statement like that, he's just go ahead and throwing his hands up too and saying, George is way better than us, you know, by saying that. So I think sometimes these coaches need to be careful what they say. We thought we were Georgia. Well, guess what? You're not Georgia. And by you saying that, you're just going ahead and telling the world that George is way better than you, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, I don't know, but – as we move on, uh, my most my surprise team of the week. I'll let you finish. You got one more. Yeah, well, I was just going to say Clemson. That's my disappointing team. I guess we could have a whole other podcast talking about. You know, I need. To, I guess. I guess my my big thing is we need to pull up the film, Rob. That's what all the coaches say. I just need to watch the film. I guess we need to go back and watch the film for Clemson I, and see where. I just read going. through. I just read through their second half drive. I don't think I want to watch the film. I mean. <laughs> I mean, if you're L, I mean, especially if you're L, if you want to go back and watch the LSU film, I mean, their fans already were drinking on Wednesday. I mean, they may have just not stopped since Sunday if they ever had to watch that game back. I mean, that's half is awful. But I'm um, rambling this, so hopefully, hopefully they'll turn it around. Man, it could it could get dicey on the bio if that thing's within three scores, but. As we move on, uh, the surprise, my surprise team of the week is the team we just talked about, Duke. I, I mean, at, I, I told everybody two weeks ago, I said, Mike Elko has this team. He's going to have them ready to play. They won seven games last year. They got a great offense coordinator in Kevin Johns, and he's going to know what to do and kind of control that offense. And that's exactly what Riley Leonard did. He didn't try to force too much. It was, you know, hey, this is what they're going to give me. I'm going to take it. And uh, – I mean, that's a team right now. Is you know, And here's the thing. They're in the other division. They're not in the Clemson-Florida State division. They're in the other one. So I learned this. There's no divisions anymore, Rob, in, in, in the ACC for football. Oh, is there not? Yeah, I literally – I was thinking the same thing, and I heard 
I heard that there's divisions, which I thought was kind of interesting. So we like the big legitimately get Clemson, Florida State in the in the championship. They're doing the Big Twelve approach where it's just best record, you know, the best two records. Well, so dang. I thought, dude, I had a that was there. <laughs> I was really hoping for a Duke championship, but alas, we will not get that one. But you know, Al, you know, we talk about this Duke team. I'm really irritated. There's no divisions anymore. I can't believe that. That's that's disappointing. I I mean, it was really nice seeing those good David Cutcliffe teams just really try hard in the ACC championship as they got just killed every year. But um, Pittsburgh, who, dude, North Carolina. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Pitt. Um, but, Al, who was your Dame. – Notre Dame, remember, they got to the ACC championship 2020. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty cool if they won, but I don't like Notre Dame, so whatever. Uh, Al, who was your like, – oh, just. I don't like – this is just a tangent, Rob, I feel like going on right now. <laughs> I just had it like a week ago. I don't like how Notre Dame can just do whatever they want to do. Like, how can one year they just we're going to be in the ACC this year? Like, they're in the ACC and everything else. Like, I don't like how they can just like pop up. Yeah, we're going to be in the ACC this year. Oh no, we're going to be back to our independent. We got our ACC in every other sport. We have a deal with NBC. We're the greatest team ever. I I don't know. I'm just they they frustrate. Oh, yeah. So, who's your surprise team of the week, Al? I'm going out west to Laramie, Wyoming. <laughs> that was actually a very interesting Saturday night game. I'll give you that. I don't know what their fight song is, but go Cowboys. <laughs> but I, I'm looking at I'm looking at the stats of that game. Like, Texas Tech – had way more like better stat. Like if you look at just the stats, I'm like, how did Texas Tech lose that game? Tyler Slaw throws Shaw throws for 338. Three touchdowns. But the thing is they only rushed for 93 yards. Um but uh you know what a game what a game in double overtime for Wyoming to get that done. I actually watched Wyoming last year against Illinois. I think that was a week zero game last year. And that's just an interesting style of play. They're a true old school one back type offense. Well, now couldn't hardly move the ball. Couldn't, couldn't hardly move the ball last year against Illinois, but Illinois did have four draft picks that a lot of people don't know about. I think on that defense. Well, now look, but, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. That quarterback from Wyoming, I don't know who – I don't know his name, uh, Peasley. I mean, yeah. you talk about a guy standing in the pocket on that to that, tie the ball game and know you're that, about to take a shot. That dude took a shot to stay That's in. what I'm saying. I respect, I respect the the mess out of him. And uh, the running game was big for them, um, controlling the clock. But just an amazing game. Um. I was trying to look at the box score real Man, they quick. they got some Wyoming names at receiver, too. John Michael and Wyatt were their two leading yardage guys. Those are some Wyoming cowboy names right there. So, here, here's the game cast, which is unbelievable. Texas Tech 
goes up 17 nothing. Oh, I was watching I think it's ball game. They tie the game in the third quarter because they go on a 17-0 run. And then we have obviously the shootout in overtime. Just unbelievable game. That's my surprise team of the week. I was gonna choose them. Or I was going to choose the Texas State. Um, I don't even know their mascot. Bobcats. The Bobcats. That's right. GJ GJ Kenny in his debut. TJ Finley from Auburn. He's been on like nine different teams, but yeah, he was at Auburn one time. He was at LSU. I think he committed somewhere else. I I don't even know. That kid's been everywhere. But uh, I had to go with Wyoming, um, just because I because I was with you. Texas Tech was the team this year, and. Uh, they could very well, you know, we were thinking that them and Oregon, which I think them and Oregon still going to be a really good game. But, you know, they had the position after two games to really, you know, be in probably the top 15, top 12, if they could have pulled out those two wins. And it looked like they're going into an 0-2 start. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that game a little bit later in our week two picks. That's one of the games we, yeah. we got. We actually are talking about that game of the week and we're going to pick it. That's um, right. That's an interesting game. I, I, I'm I not, think that's a trap game. You know, going to Laramie week one, that's a huge trap game. It is. It is. Um, You know, but we'll get into that a little bit later as now we will pivot a little bit to our week two preview. Um, We'll start with the game of the week, the one everybody's yep. talking about. It, You know, everybody and their brother was there today. Um, it's Texas at Alabama. Yep. Um, you know, we, we've talked about for now a year. And the talk has been, it's been, it's been, it's been, you know, well, if if Quinn Ewers doesn't go out, we win. If Quinn Ewers doesn't go out, we win. Well, Bryce Young went superhuman. Like, I love how we're thinking that if Bama, if Quinn Ewers doesn't go out, Bama's going to stop scoring. Like, Bryce Young would have kept him in this game. I mean, Bryce Young just did what he needed to do to win the ball game. And, and so, now they come to Tuscaloosa. This is not Bama last year. This isn't finesse, passing, we're going to throw the ball 40 times. This is going to be old school Nick Saban. We're going to run the ball 40 times down your throat. Just be ready. Um, you know, what are kind of your thoughts going into this game this weekend, Al? What was that again? What What are kind of your thoughts heading into okay. in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, sorry. I was just looking at the line because I didn't know the line of the game. Uh, Alabama's seven-point uh, favorite. That's what I thought um, it was. But obviously he threw the ball pretty well, but Milrow, I think Milrow had five total touchdowns against Middle um, in, their, in that opening game, didn't he? Yeah, and I think and a couple rush. I think maybe two rushing touchdowns. I need to go back and look, but I I kind of had a feeling that he would end up. I think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be their starter all year. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think we're going to see a lot of Jalen Milrow uh, tomorrow night. I don't think we see much of Tyler Buckner or uh, Ty Simpson. You know, yeah. You, this kind of harkens back to. Um, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't actually. You know, I think if Simpson was starting maybe the other room round, but you know, you go back, I guess eight years ago now, Alabama's kind of in the same position. They got a they got a top 15, top 10 team coming in. That time it was Ole Miss coming in with with 
Chad Kelly, Hugh Freeze coming in. You know, Bama's not real settled at the quarterback position. You know, I think that Cooper would Bateman be – Cooper Bateman or uh... – Yeah, if they we're going to go Cooper Bateman or we're going to go uh, Jacob Coker. Um, yeah. And so, I think Nick Saban, you know, you go back to that game and they really tried to run a lot of the same offense that they had been running with Jake, with Blake Sims the year before, which was a lot of zone read, a lot of kind of running the ball. Yeah. And and they got away from – and they were still trying to – instead of just knowing, hey, we got Derrick Henry back there, let's go give him the ball and just run. And Bama had six turnovers, five turnovers that game. Yeah. I think that's the recipe for what Texas has to look for to win. They've got to have the the weird play where it bounces off a guy's helmet. You got to win the turnover battle. Now yeah. I think all those things have to go right for Texas to win this game. Now I'm not saying Texas is going to go in there and get blown out. I don't think they are. I, I think it's going to be a game in the fourth quarter. I don't know that it's going to be a row. I think it'll be between ten and fourteen points going into the fourth quarter. I do think Bama wins. Kind of what are your thoughts on kind of what Texas would have to do to win? Well, to be honest, to beat Bama, you know you're going to get – Bama is so good defensively because they don't ha- – yeah, they blitz you, but they can they can solidify game blitz. You know, full game blitz with just their down four linemen. Well, obviously, they've kind of gone more – I think more four down linemen over the years, haven't they, Rob? Yeah, um, and kind I of think 3-4 look, and they then they could bring down they could bring down kind of an edge linebacker as a you know an edge, or sorry a kind of an outside linebacker as an edge rusher, um, but I think I think just playing four down linemen and allowing his safeties and his his corners to you know lock down lock down um what's his name number eight. Uh, Isaiah Worthy. Worthy. Yeah, Xavier Worthy. Yeah, uh, is it Xavier Worthy? Xavier Worthy. Because he's kind of – he's the guy you got to get the ball to. Um, last year, having Bijan Robinson helped so much just because they could run the ball. They could control the clock. I think you got to – I think there's two ways you beat Bama, Rob. I think you control the clock or you beat them taking those shots down the field and challenging them one on, in one-on-one situations and hoping that you have some wide receivers that can make some one-on-one plays. I agree. I agree 100%. So I think those are your two options. And I think I think, I think, think Texas is going to have to take that option of Quinn Ewers really opening up the, the passing game and beating them that way. I agree. And, and, you know, you go back to – I've always talked about how do you beat Mammoth? What what are the common denominators and how you beat Bama? Because you're never gonna have you're never gonna have the talent the talent advantage against Alabama unless you're Georgia. Um, and so you look at how yeah. look at how Hugh Freeze his two times he beat Bama turnovers and tempo. Stark can go tempo, yeah. but turnovers is a crapshoot. You look at LSU, they had the better player in Joe Burrow, but they also you, – you hit on it just a minute ago. With what do you have to do to try – you have to take chances. You have to take chances on one-on-one balls, and LSU had Jordan Jefferson and Jamar Chase to do that. I don't think Texas has a Je- Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, much less yeah. – So To be honest, 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think this game, Rob, is like, a, to be honest, I think Alabama wins like 38-21. I think it's one of those games. I think it's something 31-17-ish. I, I think it's going to be – I think it's somewhere 24-13, 27 or 20 uh, – 27-10 going into the third, fourth quarter. I think it's a little bit of a game, but not so much that Bama is is tight and can cause those problems. Um, yeah. So that's my pick, Rob. Alabama 38-21 in Tuscaloosa. I, I agree, Bama. Um, so now we'll move on to A&M and Miami. Uh, this it's is the funny, weird I saw this game on the list, Rob. I forgot that they had played uh, last year, right? This is a weird game. This is a, a really weird game from a lot of perspectives. First one, and most important in my mind, we're on week two of Will Bobby Petrino spike his headset at Jimbo Fisher, which is what I'm watching for every game. Um, but I think, you know, last week A&M fans got in their, you know, warm and fuzzies about, oh, we got an offense. Oh, Connor Wegman's going to win the Heisman. And I'm like, settle down. You're playing New Mexico. You know, let's, let's fool it. And, and, you know, I'm not saying Miami is a better team. I don't think they are. I think they have the better quarterback if he comes to play in Tyler Van Dyke, but that kid ain't come to play in like 24 games now. So, like, if, are we really expecting he's going to magically show up at 2.30 tomorrow? I, I don't know. Um, it, you know, wh what are kind of your cues for the game here? Man, I would say it goes back to A&M. Not turn the ball over. You can't turn the ball over on the road. They got to be able to run the ball. Got to be able to run the ball. Because I don't know – I just don't know much about um, their – I don't know much about Texas A&M's team right now. But I know in the past, that's what Jimbo's done well. Run the ball to set up his, you know, his play-action game in the past with, with the players he's had at Florida State – and some of the players he's had at AM. I would say, you know what? I'm gonna pick Miami in this game. I'm gonna pick Miami at home. I'm gonna pick I'll Miami. My pick. Yeah, I'll save my pick for when we go into our picks for week two. Um, but um I, I really, I'll be honest, I'm leaning a little bit with you. Um, I, I may go AM, but just don't know. Third game on the list. I think. It's being a little bit overblown as the quote-unquote upset alert game of the week or whatever you call it. Ole Miss at Tulane. Ole Miss going to New Orleans, not playing the Superdome, which by, hey, Ole Miss fans, if you're listening, you're not playing in the Superdome. Do not go to Bourbon Street and get too drunk and realize and think you're playing in the Superdome. You're playing at Yulman Stadium. It's on Tulane's campus. Just a PSA to all our Ole Miss listeners out there. Um, Ole Miss is a better team. I, Ole Miss has the better players. They're the better team. Um, I, Tulane's going to be feisty. They're going to be fired up. This is, you know, probably their biggest home game in their stadium, young stadium's history. But Ole Miss has the talent advantage. They have the play caller advantage. You know, they have the depth advantage. Um, I think the only way that Tulane can stay in this game and try to do what they did to USC and still at the end is 
if Ole Miss doesn't come prepared, they don't. They think they're going to come in here and because they're in the SEC and Tulane's in the American, they're going to win this. Yeah, I, I think Tulane has a lot to play for, Rob. Here's I my agree. take. On it. I think Tulane is playing for a bump in a Power Four conference. Don't you think? I think there's probably something to that. Um, and you saw Ole Miss play last week. Obviously, you can't judge a whole lot by playing Mercer, but. You know, what were kind of your thoughts watching Ole Miss last week in Oxford? Well, they're playing man-on-man with Judkins, and they're putting a spy – instead of putting a spy on the quarterback, they're putting a spy on Judkins. They're really – you're pretty much playing 10 on uh, on 9 because they're they're taking two of theirs to to guard to cover one of yours. You know what I mean? So, basically, Mercer's game was we're going to take – we're going to take Judkins completely out of the ball game, and we're going to make you beat us with your other four-star players. Which I mean, granted, yeah, they're in the FCS; they got to try something. Yeah, and I mean, if I was Tulane, I'm running a, a veer option on the first play of the game. <laughs> oh, I think I think that's one hundred percent coming. I don't know that Pratt keeps it, but I, I do know that will be veer option will be the first play. If I'm playing against Ole Miss first play, I'm running some sort of veer, Tebow, kind of the Tebow step in, and I'm taking a tight end and running a little wheel route on the outside. Well, but, uh, and I think that's the one place Ole Miss is going to be susceptible is in that secondary because they lost a lot of guys back there, obviously headlined by David Ignobit, Ignobit, I don't even know how to say the guy's name, went to Ohio State. Igna Benoson or something Ohio like State, that. Yeah. yeah um, Ole Miss is susceptible back there. I, I think the front the, four you know, will have an advantage. I, I think your line, your second level probably has an advantage. But Tulane's got some athletes. And Michael Pratt, he had the quietest first week one of any quarterback in the country. No I one's agree. talking about. No one's talking about him. Everybody's talking about Caleb Williams. Everybody's talking about Shador Sanders. Everybody's talking about um, who else, Rob? Who are uh, Bo Nix? Michael Penix. Michael Penix. Michael Pratt, 14 of 15 for 294 and three touch. Sorry, four touchdowns. And that's about as efficient as you can get from, by the way, everybody was kind of calling for Tulane to be on upset alert in that one. And they really just choked, for lack of a better term, they just choked uh, Alabama. South Alabama. Yeah, 38-17. But, you know, I think Ole Miss should win the game, like you said, based off talent. Um, But that's going to – it's going to be a very interesting game. I'm still going to pick Ole Miss. I'm going to pick them – I'm going to pick them um, in a – I'm going to go – I guess we're going to pick those later in a minute, right? Yeah, we'll pick them in a minute. Um, So, we'll move on now. Notre Dame at NC State. If NC State had Devin Leary, I'm probably picking NC State in this game. Yeah. I'm like you. I don't like Notre Dame. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Notre Dame because it seems like every time Notre Dame gets in a big situation, they find a way to blow it. Um, I've looked. I've watched Sam Hartman for four years. I know exactly what he is. He's going to look great against teams that have less talent than he does. But against equal talent, he does not look good. So, 
I, Dave Doran's going to have – Dave Doran's watched the guy for four years. Like, he knows what's coming with this kid. So, I, I'm not at – I'm calling the upsets yet, but I'm pretty close to it. I, NC State, they may not have the talent advantage in this game. They have the coaching advantage by three miles, though. Yeah, I think NC State has a better uh, better defense than people think. Um, yeah, well, yeah. They UConn week one. UConn's not a bad team. Oh, well, and see, that's the thing people don't understand. You, this isn't UConn from the Randy Edsel days and, you know, whatever other days. This is Jim Moore Jr.'s back. Like, he's a good coach, folks. Jim Moore yeah. Jr. has brought that program back. They're not, I'm not saying UConn's a top 25 team or they were, yeah. they were where they were when they had uh, Jordan Todman and all those guys when they went to the Fiesta Bowl, but they're not a bad football team. Who was the quarterback that uh, NC State got? So they get the East Carolina transfer. I'm not a hundred percent sure. When did they play? They they played Thursday night, didn't they? Yeah, uh, they were third. Yeah, they were third. No, they got the Virginia kid, Brennan Armstrong. Oh yeah, that's Brennan Armstrong. That's right. Because I I was thinking it was a left-handed quarterback. Yeah, it's the lefty. East Car- Remember, East Carolina had a good lefty quarterback last year. Mm-hmm. So it was Brennan Armstrong. You're right. Yeah, I knew he was a name we should know from Virginia. Um. Well, and, you know, you look at what Blanco Mendenhall did with that kid. Obviously, he wasn't there last year. He was player of the year one year, wasn't he, in the ACC? I think the, the last year Blanco Mendenhall was at Virginia. I believe Brennan Armstrong was player of the year. Um. You know, that's the thing. If you control the game, that crowd is – look, that's one of the toughest places in the country to play. It, it is. is a tough place to play for the size of their state. Um, yeah. Didn't y'all play them in a bowl game one year? Rob? Played them in a bowl game that senior year and beat the absolute snot out of them and then yeah. played them uh, two years ago in Starkville and just really choked them out. I think beat them 27-7 or something. Okay. Devin Leary looked terrible. I, You know, it yeah. was it was a bad That's game. Weird. That's weird. Because I, I remember y'all had played them a couple times, you know. We were actually supposed to play them in 2020 at NC State and COVID, COVID canceled yeah. it. So we never had to go there. I would have I would have loved to go there. I think we would have lost. But, um, yeah. yeah, I I'll give my pick in a minute, but I, I'm yeah, very I, know. We, I guess we don't know what Notre Dame is. They haven't played anybody. They played Correct. Tennessee. They played, played what? Last uh, week. They played Navy. Navy. They played Navy. Like, um, I think Hartman's a solid quarterback, though. You know, I think I, he's solid. Like you were saying Sam Hartman's a yeah. bad quarterback. I, I just right. – I think this happens every year with Sam Hartman. Everybody freaks out for six weeks, and then he returns to earth, and everybody's like, why did we hype this kid up? Um, Our last game, we, we touched on it a bit. Um, Oregon at Texas Tech. This is going to be an interesting game. I, I, Bonex has all this Heisman hype. Oregon, for whatever reason, I still don't know. I I do not believe Bonex. I'm not. I've never been sold on Bonex, and I won't ever be sold on Bonex. But he has Heisman hype for some reason. Oregon scores 81 last week, and you know. Now everybody's thinking Oregon's going to be in the playoff because the duck. <laughs> they literally almost killed the duck last week. They had to do like two hundred thirty-five push-ups. Oh, um, ducks! <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole other podcast in itself, Rob. I have that that poor mascot. He must be a daggum bodybuilder in there. 
So, I mean, you've been to Austin Stadium. If this is at Austin Stadium, I go to work in about three touchdowns. This being at Texas Tech, it's going to be hot in West Texas. You've been to that stadium, by the way. Uh, this this is the Owls been to the stadiums, Bowl. <laughs> um, you know, I, I still remember you telling me about uh, uh, Texas Tech. You said you looked at your dad and said, Dad, there really are tumbleweeds that rolled in the ground. That's the true. That's the true West out there, Rob. Sandstorms are no joke out there. So, you know, I, I don't. I think Oregon's going to struggle in this game. I'm not. I don't know that I'm ready to say Texas Tech pulls the upset, but I do think Oregon struggles in this game. What What are kind of your thoughts? That's actually an interesting point. Um. Then again, I haven't done my research, Rob. I'm currently looking at the line think on this game. Um, I mean, my if I had this a, right now, I'd say nine Oregon on neutral field. So I'd say it's going to be six or seven on a on when they're away. Um, six six point favorite. Oregon's okay. a six. Yeah. So um, I mean that's. And they had they had them over sixty, I think sixty three or sixty four percent chance winning Oregon. Um, that's a trap game. I agree. I think I think if Texas Tech could kind of look themselves in the mirror and say, "Hey, our quarterback played well. We have the quarterback that can throw the ball and make plays. We just got to get a key. If we can get one key stop, we had the game won." The Wyoming quarterback just made a play in, in overtime. I, I don't think – I think Wyoming's just – I think Wyoming's actually a pretty good football team, you know, to play week one. So, well, I think Texas Tech shows up and makes this a game. I really well, do. And, and if, if you're Texas Tech and you're Joey McGuire, you can say, look, Oregon played in Austin Stadium at Portland State. Y'all played on the road at Wyoming at night. Yep. I you know, so you're you're a little bit more battle tested. You've actually faced the defense. Yep. But, I agree. I'm still gonna pick Oregon in this game, but I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a shootout type game. I think they win like in the fourth quarter. And I think Texas Tech has the ball to try to, to win. Ah. Uh, so uh, my, my girlfriend just texted me, TBH rude as I was talking about the Ole Miss fans that need not get lost. Um, thinking the game was at the Superdome. So she's also <laughs> our celebrity guest picker tonight. And boy, her picks are just, they're real gold, folks. Y'all are in for a treat on this one. Um, but I got my hat on back. We are back. And now we make our week two picks. So we are picking 10 games this week. And our picks this Ooh. week brought to you by. Liquid IV, because whether your team wins or loses, you're probably going to need it. Yes, we're talking to you, LSU. Um, so, first game of the weekend, we're going with uh, Notre Dame and NC State. So, Al, I'm going to go – I'll tell you, I'm going to pick the upset here. I'm going to go NC State. I, I, I go NC State in this one. I like it. Well, hey, what's our record real quick? Are we all – no, I picked – New Mexico State over Utah. Yeah, no, we're, we we both lost one because we picked New Mexico State, and their quarterback got their helmet turned around. It was it was yeah. really bad. So what are we three and one? Yeah, we're three and one for uh, or right, four we, four and one because I think we picked five games. 
Yeah, we need to make sure we keep up with that going forward. But so we're picking Notre Dame, NC State. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the favorite here. I'm gonna go with Notre Dame, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna predict a score too. That's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go 27-23. Okay, I'm gonna go a close game. 27-23. Notre Dame gets it done. Okay, and here is our celebrity guest picker, Isabel Rapinski, my girlfriend. She picked – she wanted me to say that. Um, she picked NC State. They have a cool mascot, and it bothers her that Notre Dame won't claim a conference. They act like they're better than everyone else, whatever. I love that. That's a great take. So, next we go Nebraska, Colorado. Man, I want to – I want – part of me wants to pick Nebraska because, like, the Matt Rule part of this, but I do have Colorado. I'll actually go score here. I go 27-20. I think I think Colorado struggles a little bit to score. Um, so what do you got? I'm going to go Colorado. And I'm going to go – I think they win by 10. I think it's going to be like a 37-27 type game. Ah, our celebrity guest picker goes Colorado – because their coach, he is quite entertaining. Hey, that's a great pick. So now we go Utah-Baylor. Um, I'm going with the Utes. Yeah, I'm going with the Utes here. We got Utes in a clean sweep here. Everybody's picking Utah. Um, the reasoning, they showed up against Florida surprisingly. <laughs> now, hey. now we'll go Ole Miss at Tulane. Um, I, I'm going Ole Miss. I got it. 30. I'm picking Ole Miss. I'm going Ole Miss. What'd you say the score was, Rob? I said 31, 27, 31. Ooh, that's a close game. I'm going to go. Did I say, I think I said I was going to pick the score later. So I think my score was, I think 38, 38, um, 27. Okay. Ole Miss. Our celebrity guest picker also picks Ole Miss. Her reasoning, Tulane is good this year. I will give them out. However, the lane train can't be stopped, and it's going full throttle, baby. I'm not saying that next word. The Rebs and Bourbon is a dangerous combo. The last time I was there, I saw Chad Kelly at Pat O'Brien's. He's an odd one. <laughs> That's pretty good. So next game we'll go Texas A&M at Miami. Ooh, uh, I picked Miami. I got, I got Texas A&M twenty-one seventeen. Al is picking the U. It's all about it. All about the U, baby. And our celebrity guest picker, she's going with Miami. The reasoning: I love the city and the beach of Miami. I know I should pick A&M because SEC over everyone. However, I met Guy Fieri in Miami twice, and the power that city holds is frankly unmatched. This is awesome. <laughs> so, next game, game of the week, Texas at Alabama. I, I talked about it earlier. I think we both actually made our picks for this game. I said, I think, 31-17 Alabama. And I said 37-21. All right. And I'm picking Alabama. No, I'm not picking Navy over Notre Dame. <laughs> so I had to make sure we clarified that even in the last pick. I'm right, Rob. Yeah, our celebrity guest picker. 
she her reason, she picks Alabama, but she does say she wanted to pick Texas. That is her home. However, let's be real, Bama. This will be a real wake-up call for Texas coming into the SEC, thinking they are hot crap. Welcome to the big leagues. Time to be humbled. I love that. So next we got Oregon at Texas Tech. Um, I, I'm actually going to pick the upset here. I think Texas Tech gets it done. I think Texas Tech pulls the upset. I think they get this one 38-34. 38-34. I'm going to pick Oregon. I'm going to pick Oregon. It's going to be a shootout. I'm going to pick Oregon in a 44-35 game. Okay. Our celebrity guest picker, I she picks Oregon. I think Oregon always has sick uniforms, but ducks are weird mascots. Texas Tech is good, but not great. She's giving us a score here, Oregon by 10. I like that. Oregon by 10. Next, our I can't believe this game's going to be put on TV game of the week. Iowa at Iowa State. Ooh. I am, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go with the Cyclones. I'm going to go Matt, Matt Campbell and Iowa State. Barnhart, 9-5, Iowa State. 9-5. <laughs> I don't Do I think score? Do I have to pick? I love picking the score, but it's like now i got to pick the score on this one. Yikes. I guess I'm going to pick the score. 19-18, Iowa State. <laughs> wow, offensive shootout right there. If I... I was scoring two touchdowns like a sign of the apocalypse or something. They scored um, 24 against Utah State. No, they only scored 22. So now for their coach to keep his job, they have to average 25.1 for the rest of the year. Oh, my gosh. Our celebrity guest picker. Honestly, I thought there was only one college in Iowa until now. So I guess let's go with Iowa State. Regardless, I do have to say that the, the Midwest likely has incredible hot dogs. So I bet the glizzies at this game are going to be unmatched. Low-key jealous of these fans. Hey, Iowa State fans are awesome. They really are. So next, Arizona at Mississippi State. Um, I got the dogs, obviously. Uh, but I do think our fans are going to be – in- This game is this game at home for y'all. Yeah, this game's in, in Starkville. Okay, uh, I'm going This ahead. was the game last year that started at 9 p.m. Uh, Central Time. Um, let's just say I don't like games starting at that time. Just leave it at that. Um, I got the dogs. I went last year. 34-16, uh, 34-18. It was a lot closer. That's right. Than that. That's right. Um, <laughs> Sorry. What did you pick the score to be, Rob? Uh, in what game? Uh, State, Arizona. Uh, yeah, I'm about to pick it right now. I okay. got 41-24 Mississippi State. I think Arizona's improving. Um, I, I don't think they're there yet. I still think they're a year off. I like what Jed Fish is doing, but I think 41-24, I think it's a close game going in the fourth. I think Mississippi State pulls away in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I will say this. Shout out uh, William Norton. I coached him at Woodland Presbyterian School. He is a defensive tackle for the Arizona Wildcats. A Wait, transfer what's his name? William Norton. Did he play nose guard? I think so, yeah, 45. 
Did he transfer from like Georgia possibly? Yeah, so a Mississippi State podcast actually listed him as a player to watch today. That's uh, right. Yeah. That's William Norton. Coached him in eighth grade basketball. So shout out, uh, shout out Bill uh, Norton. Yeah, they called him Bill Norton. Yeah. Shout out Bill. Um, but Bill, I'm gonna have to pick. Just this is I gotta have a good record. So please, you gotta understand this is this is serious. I gotta try to pick the team that's gonna win. I'm gonna pick Mississippi State. I'm rooting for you, Bill, but I've got to pick Mississippi State to win the game. And I think you'd understand. Celebrity uh, guest pickers pick. Uh, I have to say State because SEC and for the fact that I will be at the State LSU game next week. Woof, woof. You're going to the game next week? Yeah, I'm going to State LSU. That'll be fun. I got to pick a score. Man, I would say Will Rogers goes off this game. I think he's – I still don't think he gets the respect he deserves. You know you know me. I've, I've been – you will say this about me. I've been a big Will Rogers fan and have respected him over the past, what, three years as a quarterback. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And I don't think he – I don't think people – I don't think he gets the respect he deserves in the SEC. I um, agree. I agree. I, I think uh, you look at what he's done over his career – Obviously, and even I don't think he gets respect in our fan base. I know I'm one of the people sometimes that doesn't respect him. Kind of but, forget how good he is, and you're gonna sometimes you can take a player like him for granted, you know. Absolutely. Um, but I'm gonna pick State in a. I'm gonna pick them in like a 31, 31, uh, 21 type game. Okay. All right. And now I think Arnett. I think Arnett is a defensive coach. I think y'all be able to. Stops Arizona. And now in the let's get weird game of the night, uh, the last one of the last games of the night, starting at 930, the fighting Hugh Freezes take go out to Cal to take on the Golden Bears. Auburn at Cal, 930 kick. Uh, I got Auburn. I think I think it's going to be ugly early and often, not in the like good way for Auburn. I think this is going to be an ugly football game. I got Auburn 31-13. I know nothing about Cal right now. See, the same thing. I know absolutely nothing about Cal. So I'm All just I know is they're going into the ACC. Um, and I remember that the last time Ole Miss played at Cal, um, it wasn't pretty. Was it wasn't. Not, it wasn't pretty either way. It was an ugly game. Yeah, that was, and that was a late game too. That was like a nine. Yeah, that was like a nine or ten p.m. game. The game was over at like one thirty in the morning. But I'm gonna pick Auburn. I'm gonna pick I will Auburn. say this: looking at Cal, Ben Finley last week for Cal, they hung fifty eight at North Texas, uh, 289 for Cal's quarterback. So. Hey, maybe something to look for there. And the Pac-12 is undefeated right now, aren't they? They are. They are. Big week for the Pac-12, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna pick Auburn. Bigger. I'm gonna pick Auburn in a. I'm gonna pick them in a. I'm gonna pick them 34-23. Okay. All right. Our celebrity guest picker picks Auburn. I guess I have no further comments at this time. So, so she went with the uh, with the Tigers there, real emphatically, actually. So. Now we kick it to our last segment of the night, our Heisman Watch, top ten after week one, because everybody needs to do this. Um, number ten on the list, Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio, at Ohio State. He didn't really have an impressive game, but 
I mean, he he's more of a – They play week one. Indiana, they looked awful. That's right, 24-3 final, right? Kyle McCord looked terrible. Um, Not really much to say other than they made a really extremely good catch where, like, I don't know how he kept – he got two feet in and only needed one. But number nine, Blake Corum from Michigan. Probably would have won the Heisman last year had he not gotten into the week four Ohio State game. Um, Again, I think that Michigan team's not getting talked about a lot right now either, you know? Speaking of the Michigan team, can we please talk about they get out there in the fourth quarter and hold out fours for Jim Harbaugh like he has died. He was serving a school-imposed three-game suspension. They act like he got shot at midfield. Settle down. Then the whole free Harbaugh stuff. like Free Harbaugh? What are we doing? I mean, they make it really hard to to root for Michigan because it was so easy to root for them to begin with. But they make it very hard. Um, number eight on the list, Bonex. I don't really know why I added him other than just I mean, Oregon scored eighty one and he threw for a bunch of yards. Um, I mean, you got any you got anything on Bonex you want to add on this? I I don't really know why he's on there. I mean, he's playing like his sixth year of college football, so. Yeah, isn't he like 38 like this week? It feels um, like it. But I guess he played, I guess 2019. 2019 was his freshman year at, uh, this is his fifth year, right? Yeah, it, it actually is. You bring up an interesting point. It actually is amazing that kids who start or play considerably as freshmen and stay all four years, you're like, dude, that kid's been there forever. He's only it's a, like a, he's only a I'm telling you, I still say to this day, Rodney Clark, for, he started at Arkansas in basketball. He ended up at both. That kid was in college for 12 years. You will not – he was in college as long as I was in high school. He His freshman year was my first grade year. I will be convinced forever. He's probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite college basketball players of all time. Dude, he had like six years at Arkansas and then was at Butler for like another five. The only player that played longer was Matt Howard at Butler. He was there for 18 years. Yeah, Matt Howard is the man. He play- Gordon Hayward was an eight-year vet before he finally graduated from Baylor, from Butler. Full, full Butler 2010 uh, NCAA tournament run podcast coming out soon. That that will take a that that's a podcast right there. They need to have a like a fight like the last dance type show for those Butler teams. Those Butler teams were so fun. They need to um, have like all access, like you know, ten episode I mean, type thing. The Hoosiers, the Hoosiers comparisons being being written from there. I mean, they played in Hinkle Fieldhouse. They played. I know. Like the they, I know. That's awesome. Um, number eight. Start on, talking about Butler. Number seven on the list. <laughs> Drake May. Um, I don't think Drake May looks great against South Carolina. Um, I could have added them my most disappointing team, but honestly, I expected them to lose because I think they're overrated because I don't think Spencer What's Rattler. up with South? This is totally random. South Carolina, they wore the C's on their helmets. You know who they looked like? Who? They looked like Clemson. Yeah, they kind of did. They do that. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that. I was like, what What are you trying to prove here? 
And then I know it's a there, I know it's a Carolina game, so they're trying to represent like Carolina. Like I get that, but does Shane Beamer have an excuse every time they lose? What it is like, he has to have something wrong. Like last year, they get beat by forty-eight by Georgia, and he's like, "Oh, the season's not over." That's such a stupid question. Then this year, he's like, "Well, our onside kick would have worked if the chain gang wouldn't eat hot dogs." I was like, "Did your quarterback got sacked thirty-two times? Like your line?" Looked like everyone skates the entire game. So settle down. But they were a disappointing team because we heard more about South Carolina this summer than a team that's won to back national championships. And South and and Georgia, Georgia is licking their chops. Oh, they, they get them week, they get them week three in Athens. Oh gosh. South that's Carolina may be- not cross the fifty. That Georgia defense is looking at that game and they're smiling. You mean the Philadelphia you mean the Philadelphia Eagles developmental team? Yeah, yeah Philadelphia. The triple A team for the yeah, Philadelphia the tri- Eagles. The triple A Eagles, yeah. They're they're licking their chops for that one. Um number seven on or number six on the list, Quinn Ewers at Texas. Um, look, he didn't look good. No way around it. But if he goes into Tuscaloosa tomorrow night, or Saturday night looks good. I is he number one or is he number two come Sunday morning? I don't know. But he if did they, not look if good. They, if they win, he'll definitely be on the uh the Heisman list, you know? I mean every player, you look at every player who has ever beaten Alabama, like their name was on the Heisman list, the Heisman top four the next week. Um and, and, and two people, it helped them win the Heisman Trophy in Johnny Menzel and Joe Burrow. Again, maybe it happens. I don't know. He didn't look good week one, though. I know that. Um, number five on the list, I think a guy who is going to be in New York at the end of the season, Jordan Travis at Florida State. I thought he looked outside of the second quarter. I thought he looked great. In the second half, he looked absolutely incredible. Um, what, were, what are kind of your thoughts on Jordan Travis? Well, like I said, he had a rough, what, second quarter? That was awful. Rough second quarter, um, but that second half, um, I can't lie, I was doing schoolwork um, that night <laughs> for, like, the fourth quarter. So, I, I really kind of – once once they got up big, I had the TV on, and I was just kind of watching it back and forth. But Jordan Travers ended up having a good game. I think he threw for almost 300, right? Yeah, he did. Like two, he threw like what two eighty seven or something. I think so. Yeah. So I, you know, look, they that was the best win of any team, don't you think? I yeah, mean, beat, I, I agree. That's the, I think LSU is the only top ten team to get beat, right? Uh, Clemson. Clemson. Yeah, yeah, they were nine. I forgot they were nine. So, um, but yeah, I would definitely, and I think. Obviously, we have we might have to add some sleepers to this list, but I think Jordan Travis deserves to be on that list. I agree, hundred um, percent. And I think he can go higher. But number four on the list, Michael Penix. I thought Michael Penix was great. They play this. Week, Bob. Who? Oh, they Who played. They, uh, they played Boise State. No, they played them last week. Beat Boise pretty good too. That's, yeah, they played. They won like what fifty three. 
16 or something. It ended up being a blowout. I don't know. I don't think they got anybody of substance this week. But yeah, what's happened to Boise State's program? Well, you know, I mean, they were good for so long. You can only stay on you can only stay that high for so long. So I mean they'll still be good in there. What are they in the mountain? Helen Moore being their next head coach. I could a hundred percent see that. That would be a cool that'd be cool. I could a hundred percent see that coming. Yeah, I didn't realize Michael Penix was had some great stats last week. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't. I, what, I knew, what were his stats? What I'm. I I know it's fifty nine sixteen. Of course, my computer decided it didn't. Fifty nine. So I was. Yeah. Wow. It, it was really bad. I didn't realize it was that bad. I, I knew it was. I knew it had gotten up there, but I honestly I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention because I was watching the state game at the time. Michael Penick's final stats last week, 29 of 40, 450 yards, five touchdowns. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Unfortunately, there is a reason he's three on the list, or four. Yeah. yeah. Do you think – do you think – this is totally random. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this. Do you think Kellen Moore would take a head coaching job in college? I think he'd take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I think they got to be thinking about that, don't you I, think? I think I, well, you know, who's there? Andy Avalos there now, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Did their I last think, coach go somewhere? Um, I, Well, the last coach was Harson. Ryan Harson. That's so, right. Yeah, it's it, Andy Avalos, who was the – I think he was the D.C. maybe at uh, – at, Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Where is Brian Harson now? Not doing anything. Really? But I think he got a bad – I think he got a, un, oh, some unfair treatment. Look, Auburn never wanted Brian Harson. They made yeah. that very um, Also, very interesting, Boise State and UCL this weekend on the Bluegrass. That's going to be a fun game. That could be an interesting game. I, Okay, maybe we should pick that one. Um, but anyways, Michael, sorry we got off on a tangent there. Michael Penix Jr., four on the list. Number yeah, three, that's a big game. Sanders. Um, I, we we've talked about him, but does Shador lead the NCAA right now in passing yards? Well, no, because there's teams that Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Yeah, Caleb because, just because he's played two weeks. But I mean, yeah. The, the game, obviously, Shador Sanders had on Saturday. I mean, you it's unmatched, really. Um, just from a production standpoint, you look at what he was able to do. I mean, he goes for 38 of 47, 510 yards, four touchdowns, runs. Well, he got his sacks get added in there. But, I mean, just the way they would spread the ball around. Yeah. Just a, uh, unbelievable, a really game. unbelievable game, and he put himself definitely in right in the thick of the Heisman race. That's awesome. Yeah, you're right. Week one, week one, doing that. Number two, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, Kayla Williams, just continues to do really, really stupid stuff. Honestly, um, but again, they play Stanford this week. Yeah, that it'd be an interesting game. I I think they'll obviously win by a bunch. Yeah, because that game's at USC. Because remember last year he had a, that was his kind of coming out party was that Stanford game on the road. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about it that. Was, so um, but, he threw a bunch of deep balls that game. 
well. And that's probably what he's going to do tomorrow night. But and real quick, there's a Memphis transfer on that team, Taj Washington. He's a low-key star on that team. At USC? Yeah, one of the fastest players in the country, one of the fastest players on the USC, USC team playing wide out. That's a name to look out for, Taj Washington as a big-time target for Caleb Williams. I did not know that. I didn't know they had a guy from uh, from Memphis. That's interesting. Uh, just a quick look at Caleb Williams' stats through two weeks because he's actually has something we can, you know, look at. Caleb Williams uh, through two games, 597 yards passing, nine touchdowns. Um, and then he's got – Let's see, getting his rushing numbers. Um, I don't have them. For last week, he rushed for 42 against San Jose, San Jose State. He had negative two. but So, not not a bad week for old uh, Caleb Williams. And then number one on the list, I, I don't see how you can go with anybody else. It's Travis Hunter. <laughs> I like it. What this kid did, I – I haven't seen it ever. I mean, he goes – he plays 129. 129 snaps. I think wherever you look at it, it may be into the 130 range. But, I mean, look at his stats. He goes – 17 yards receiving, right? Yeah, I mean, he has 119 yards receiving, 11 catches, 119 yards receiving. On top of that, he has three tackles – a pass deflection, and an interception. Remember, he had a touchdown taken away because they caught him out of bounds. Remember, he made a ridiculous – Oh, yeah, had a touchdown taken away that would have given him a touchdown both offensively and defensively. But, I mean, it, it's just – it's crazy what this guy's doing. He leads the team in catches and then has three tackles and an interception and a pass deflection. Like, what – what are – how – and he's doing that playing 130 snaps or 129. I can't wait for that game tomorrow, to be honest. That Nebraska. Well, I can't either. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be a fun game. But um, that will do it for tonight. Al, we'll talk to you tomorrow. A, uh, that was fun. Exciting slate of Saturday football for you. We Looking will be forward to recap it for you at the end of the weekend. And, hey, have a great night. And, Watch football all day. It's fun to have football from 11 to 11. There's nothing better than uh, waking up on a Saturday in September, going on an early morning walk with the dew still on the grass, knowing you have college football coming your way. <laughs> all right, folks. We'll see you all later. Thank you.